uh, Exodus chapter 29. Um, we've been as we've been going through these through these uh, uh, chapter, later chapters in the book of Exodus. We're seeing now that uh, God is giving now instructions to Moses for the children of Israel. Various instructions that, that include instructions for the building of the tabernacle, which was a meeting place for, for, for God. Uh, instructions for uh, just the various utensils that were to be used in the sacrificial system uh, there, there in, the, in the tabernacle. Instructions for the different types of animals that they were used, the different types of utensils. All the different things that, 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 that had to do with, with the, the, the worship of God there in the tabernacle. And now we get to the portion here in the book of Exodus chapter 29 where, where God is going to give Moses instructions concerning Aaron and his nephews. So, and if you guys didn't know, uh, Aaron was of the tribe of Levi, so was Moses. And so God had already established that the tribe of, of, of Levi and specifically the descendants of Aaron were to be the Levitical priesthood. So, it, it, so And that, that was something that was carried on from generation to generation. And so if somebody wanted to be a priest there within the nation of Israel, within the children of Israel, they couldn't just go sign up for a, jo- for a job, get a job application, look on Indeed. They had to be, that to meet certain requirements. One, they had to be of the tribe of Levi, and they had to be of the descendant of, of Aaron specifically. And so we see that, that, that God set it up that way. And uh, we see that, that God's going to give now instructions to Moses concerning his brother Aaron and concerning the, the Levitical priesthood that comes from, from, the, from the descendants of Aaron. And so really, uh, this address starts in chapter 28, verse 40. And so I'm going to start, I'm going to pick it up from right there. Chapter 28, verse 40, it says, For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, and, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and you shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests, says the Lord. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness, that they, uh, their nakedness is and they, they shall reach from the waist to their thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity and die. And it shall be a statue forever to him and his descendants after him. And so again, we, we begin now with, with God giving instructions to Moses for, for Moses' brother Aaron and all his descendants who were, who were to be priests. And we see that, that God is so involved in the details, that so much so that, that God would even give him specific instructions on even the underwear that the priests were to wear. I mean, God was so uh, in the details, and it was for a reason. We see that as we go through all these things, it might seem, again, just kind of tedious, going through every single one of, one of these things. You may think, man, well, what does this have to do with us? And I mentioned last week, and I think I've mentioned the past couple of weeks, how every single one of these things, from the utensils to the type of metal, uh, whether it was bronze, gold, or silver, uh, to the incense, to every single thing that was used and that, and that was instituted here, had a fulfillment in Christ in the New Testament. And it had a, a spiritual application for, for the reader and now for us as believers. And so, now there in chapter 29, it continues on to say, in chapter 29, verse 1, it says, And this is what you shall do to them, uh, to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. He says, Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes, mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. It says, You shall make them of wheat, of wheat flour. And verse 3 says, You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull, with the bull and the two rams. And so now uh, we see that God has given them instructions. He says, All right. He says, the, the priesthood is to be hallowed, which really means holy, which really means set apart. And so he says, look, the priesthood, Aaron, his sons, and all his descendants, 
as they minister to me, he says, they are to be set apart from all the people. And God says, and the way that they're going to be set apart is, is Moses, look, you're going to take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil. He says, and all these things, he says, and, and you're going to put them in a basket and bring the basket with the bull and you're going to sacrifice these things as a way of consecrating the priesthood or as a way, as a way of setting the priesthood apart. And so they were instructed to, to, to give specific offerings for themselves. And interesting that, that the children of Israel, that the, that the priesthood really, you know, they were ministering to God on behalf of the people and they were ministering to the people on behalf of God. But you notice that they themselves couldn't go to minister before the Lord before first cleansing themselves. Right? Before, before first, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves before offering sacrifices for the people. And really this was all pointing to Christ who later on in the book of Hebrews, uh, God was going to mention how, how, how Christ was that fulfillment of the priesthood. He was both king, priest, and sacrifice. And we see that, that Jesus fulfilled all those things. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, look, all these earthly priests, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves before coming in and, and offering for the people. But he says, but this Jesus Christ, this, this high priest of ours, he offered himself once and for all. Right? He went in uh, as king, as priest, and as sacrifice. And it says that he offered himself once and for all. These guys had to go in time after time after time after time. Later on, we're going to read how the people were required to give a sacrifice and offering every single day. So these guys, before they went in, they had a, they had a sacrifice. But yet Christ, when he gave himself, it was a one-time thing. It was, it was a, the, the sacrifice was complete once he did it. Right. And so notice how, how it says there, one of these things that, that they were to offer was, it says, unleavened cakes mixed with oil. We're going to get into the significance of the oil later on, but just a little preview. It, it, whenever we read about oil, specifically anointing oil in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, the oil is, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see later on that, that, uh, that, that, that uh, the prophet Samuel, as God called him to go anoint uh, King David as priest, we're told that, that he got King David and he, and he just drenched him with, the, with, the, with, with anointing oil from, from head to toe, from top to bottom. He was completely drenched in oil. And we see that, that again that this oil is just symbolic of, of the Holy Spirit coming, coming upon a person. Right? And so notice that, that, that one of these sacrifices that, that, that were to be given for the priest was unleavened cakes mixed with oil. That unleavened means that that wouldn't have any 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 wheat in it, right? Any uh, um, and uh, any any wheat in the, in the in the dough so wouldn't make it rise. And we see that 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 this leaven in the New Testament, Christ would would uh would would, would reference his leaven as sin, and he would say, hey, look, just like this, le just like a little leaven leavens up a whole lump of bread. He said, all this takes is a, is a little bit of a little bit of, of wheat. So you throw you throw a little bit of yeast, excuse me, a little bit of yeast in the bread, and it'll do all of a sudden your oven will be full of bread, right? For those of you who are bake for who are bakers, and he says that's how sin is. He says sin is like leaven. He says, and it just takes a little bit of sin, a little bit of leaven, that you allow to just germinate in your heart, and boom, that thing will just grow overnight in, in seconds, actually. And so we're told that one of the sacrifices that they were to give was a cake, unleavened cake, mixed with oil, meaning hey, this pure, undefiled, unblemished sacrifice mixed with oil, meaning the Holy Spirit. It was to be a work of the Holy Spirit all around. Not sinful, right? It was just cleansed, righteous, holy, and a work of the Holy Spirit. And he says there in verse 4, And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird them with the intricately woven band of the ephod, 
You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him. Now, when we think of, of someone getting anointed with oil because we do it, right? We usually, we take a little dab, we dab it on your fingers and you go like this to a person there you go, make a little cross. I don't know why we do the cross. Just, but we, we, take the, we take the oil and we go like this to a person. But, but really, in the, in the Bible, when a person would get anointed with oil, it would be a whole pitcher of a few gallons of oil and, and they would just pour it, pour it on top of the person until again they were completely drenched in this oil and so God gives Moses instructions for, for anointing uh, uh, Aaron and his sons he says look you should take some oil pour it on his head you know, and anoint him he says then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them and you shall gird them with sashes Aaron and his sons he says and put hats on them he says the priesthood shall be, shall be theirs for a perpetual statue and so shall you consecrate Aaron and his sons. And so as God is giving Moses instruction for the priesthood, he says, look, you're going to take Aaron, you're going to take his sons. And later on, they were to take their sons' sons and do the same thing. But he says, look, you're going to anoint them with oil, symbolizing this work of the Holy Spirit. And for the person, for the, for the priest, for really for us as believers, for the person that ministers to the Lord, it's always a work of the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and, and whenever we do, we endeavor for the Lord, whenever we step out for the Lord, whenever God calls us to do anything, it is always to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Right? I'm walking over here, I'm driving over here, I'm walking over here, I'm sitting right there worshiping, and I'm praying, Lord, baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I want to go out there in the power of your Holy Spirit. I don't want to, I don't want to tell him what angel has to say. I don't want to tell him what, what, what I got through my studies. But Lord, I want to go out there, uh, just baptize, really just drenched from head to toe with your Holy Spirit. And we see that that was always the standard that God set up for ministering to him. For the priesthood that was to minister to God, to God day and night, they were to be consecrated, they were to be set apart, but more than that, they were to be Covered in oil, meaning it was to be a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And so it says, again, it says, and you're going to put hats on them, and the priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statue. That word perpetual in the dictionary means a very long time. Really, it's a continual thing, meaning it was an unending thing. And so we see that the priesthood was, was, specifically, and, and, and was specifically set apart for this Levitical tribe and specifically for the sons of Aaron. But interesting that later on in the... Later on in the Bible, uh, uh, Dave, King David is going to bring up a priest, which we actually see in Genesis. And, and, and later on, uh, this prophecy about Jesus is going to say, you are a king forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so we have in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, another priesthood that, that's mentioned in the Bible. And we're told there in, in the book of Psalms by, 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 by David, King David that, that Jesus was a priest and he was a king. But he says that he was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so notice that, that God set up his priesthood. He said the priesthood should be of Aaron, right, of the tribe of Levi. But interesting that the Bible mentions another priesthood, and that is that, that, that priesthood of Melchizedek. And so uh, we're told about this, this guy, Melchizedek. He only pops up one time in the Old Testament. That's in the book of Genesis. He appears to, to, to Abraham after Abraham goes into, Lot, uh, goes into Sodom and Gomorrah to rescue Lot. He comes out and then we're told that, uh, that, 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 that these nations make, make war against, against Sodom and Gomorrah. They rebel against Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, they rebel against all these other kings, right? These kings are, 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 are fleeing away. They're, they're running for their lives. They're calling out for help. His, uh, his nephew Lot gets taken captive. And so Abraham goes in there with all the servants. They, they bring back Lot. They bring back all the, all, all the possessions of the people that got taken away. And we're told that all, all kinds of kings came to Abraham to thank him for what he did. And Abraham said, no way, I'm not going to receive any of that. Because if I take any of that stuff, you're going to say, look, Abraham did it because of us. Or Abraham got rich because of us. And Abraham says, I don't want that. He says, you know, I want God to get the glory. But then we're told that, that another guy came, this king and a priest 
by, uh, by the name of Melchizedek. And we're told that, 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 that as he came, we're told that Abraham, that he didn't give anything to Abraham, but Abraham gave him a tenth of everything that he had. And so this is just to say, you know, this is interesting that, that as we have this, this priesthood here, right, in order for Jesus to be both king and priest, he couldn't be both. Right, for the Jews, they understood that, 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 that the king was of the tribe of Judah and the priest was of the tribe of Levi. And so we see that, that, that Jesus was, was able to be both king and priest. One, because he was of the tribe of the Judah. And, but the Bible tells us that he was a priest, not after the order of Levi, not after the order of the sons of Aaron. But he was a priest after the order of this guy, Melchizedek. And that's just a little side note right there, free of charge. <laughs> and so it goes on to say there in verse 10, it says, You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the, de- on the head of the bull. He says, Then you shall kill the bull, verse 11, before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And so as, as, as Aaron and his sons would come, right, they were to offer this bull. And notice that it says that Aaron and his sons, says that they were to put their hands on the head of the bull, and then they would kill the bull. And you think, man, what's all this about? And so the, the bull was, was, was the animal that was going to get sacrificed on their behalf, right? It was through the, the blood of this bull, it was through the life of this bull that they were going to have uh, you know, permission to go in into ministry before the Lord. And so this, this bull was going to be sacrificed on their behalf. But notice that the Lord said before this bull was sacrificed, before this animal was sacrificed, the priesthood was to go and they were to lay their hands on the head of this bull, identifying with this animal. Identifying with this animal that was about to die on their behalf, right? And really, the Bible calls us to identify with Him who who died on our behalf, that Jesus Christ. Right? And and again, I just love the Old Testament. I love uh, specifically passages like this where where they just tie in directly to the Lord. Right? The Bible tells us in First Corinthians twelve three it says nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Right? And and so we're told that a person is born again. By the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? We're told that, that, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Right? It's through Christ alone, by faith alone, uh, and by grace alone. And, and so for us too, I mean, as, as, we're, as we come before, before God the Father, right? we can't come before God the Father before first what? Laying our, putting our hands on the, on, the, on the head of the sacrifice, meaning identifying ourselves with the sacrifice, identifying ourselves with the Lord. We come to the Father through Jesus Christ, right? Identifying, saying, Lord, I belong to you, right? You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Lord, literally, that's what it means. Lord is, is master. You're calling him master. You're saying, Lord, not me, right? It's not about me anymore, but now my life is in you. And so notice that the priesthood, before they were to minister to the Lord, they first had to identify with the sacrifice, putting their hand on the head of the sacrifice. And so it says there in verse 12, it says, you shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. He says, and you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails. Kind of gory. He says, all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. That the flesh, it says, but the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. And so notice that as they were to bring this animal, right, what does the Lord say? He says, hey, look, he says, uh, all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys, and all the fat that's on them, he says, you shall burn on the altar. But notice what it says about the flesh of the animal. He says, the flesh, you're not even going to burn in the altar, but he says, you're going to take that outside, and you're going to burn all the flesh outside. <laughs> what does that tell us? Hey, man, the Lord doesn't want flesh. 
When it comes to, to, to doing his work, when it comes to doing ministry, the Lord doesn't want flesh. He says, the flesh, he says, you could burn that outside. You, you, know, you can leave that at the door. He says, come in. He says, and just offer me the good stuff. The Lord says, hey, I don't want anything in the flesh, anything that, that, that's done in the work of the flesh. Right? And, and when I say flesh, I just go one of those you know, uh, 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 Christian terms. And we mean any work that is done out of selfish ambition, any work that anything that we do for the Lord that is done out of selfish ambition, selfish pride, out, out of uh, uh, false motives, other than just glorifying the Lord, other than just being obedient to what God has called us to do. If I come here because I want to build a church, I want to get my name out there, I want to work with this, hey man, that's flesh. Right? If I come here and minister because I want to get noticed because I want, no man, that's flesh. I come out here, why? Because God has called me to do this because I want God to be glorified through the study of His Word. Hey man, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. And so God says, hey, look, burn all the good stuff, burn all, burn, burn all the fat, because the flesh, leave it at the door, man. He says, you can burn that outside the camp, don't even bring it near here. Right? And, and God still has that standard, hey, man, that, that, that any work of the flesh, God does not accept. Right? Anything that, that, that you do for the Lord in the flesh, it's, it just, it's going to burn. Right? It's not, it's going to mean anything. It's not going to mean anything. You're going to get to heaven, you're going to see all the things, that you, all the even good things that you did for God. But out of selfish ambition or, or out of uh, false motives or, or, or other motives other than just glorifying God. And you're going to just see a pile of ashes that's going to be right there, man. It all burned, right? It didn't mean anything. And so they were to burn the flesh outside of the camp. Not even at the door, but outside of the camp. It, says, it is a sin offering. And notice what it says in verse 15. It says, and you shall also take one ram and Aaron and his son shall put their heads, that, sorry, sorry, shall put their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram. And you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar. In verse 17, then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces, and uh, put the pieces with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And so more than what this tells us is more than the Lord loving the smell of barbecue. I mean, who doesn't love? The smell of barbecue, right? So more than, 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 than the Lord loving that smell, this burn of, 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 these, of, the, of these animals, these rams, these bulls burning. It says that, that the sacrifice of this whole ram, it says it, was, it is a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so as they were to burn this whole ram, right? They were to cut it in pieces, wash all the entrails, bring out. But they were to bring the whole, the whole ram in pieces and burn it before the Lord. And it says, notice that, that it was a sweet aroma. It was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now... The Lord doesn't have uh, a nose that He can smell, right? God doesn't have a uh, nose and eyes and ears. I mean, God the Son does, Jesus, right? But 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 this is what's uh, what's known as anthropomorphism, which is giving human terms to describe God, right? And and so and so it says that 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 the sacrifice was like a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. Not not that the Lord literally is right there in heaven. Oh man, that smells good down there. No, but but that the actual act of this of this burning of this whole ram. Was something sweet to the Lord? Was something pleasant to the Lord? And my question is, well, why was it so pleasant to the Lord? Why was it a sweet-smelling aroma? Well, notice again where it says in verse 18, it says, You shall burn the whole ram. It was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord because it was offered as a whole. Right? It's not just the smell of it, but, but really it's, it's the act of offering the whole body of, the, of this animal. The whole body. And I say that because in Romans 12, 1, we're given instructions about sacrificing to the Lord as well. All right? and, and just as this, this, this offering of the whole body of the ram was sweet, was sweet, was pleasant to the Lord, 
Romans 12, 1 tells us, Paul says, hey, he says, now therefore give, your, give up your bodies, you know, give up your, your, your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not just part of your body, not just your hands, not just your mouth, not just your eyes, not just your feet, right? So you can walk and show Jesus, not just, right, your belly, whatever it may be, not just your head. But Paul says, hey, offer up your whole body, man, meaning offer up your whole life, right, as a, as a, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And notice that, that, that whenever we offer ourselves wholly to the Lord, hey, it's a sweet-smelling aroma unto the Lord, just like, this, just like this bowl was. And verse 19 says, And you shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of that ram. Then you shall kill the ram and take some of its blood and put it on the, on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on, on the tip of the right ear of his sons and on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Then you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and his sons and, the gar- and on their garments. And he and his garments shall be hallowed, mean, shall be holy, shall be set apart. And his sons and his sons' garments with them. You're thinking, man, what's all this about? The tip of the right ear, the tip of the, of the right thumb, uh, the, 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 the right toe. And so God is giving them instruction. He says, all right, look, you're, gonna, you're to dip. You know, you put, you're to put a little droplet of blood on the right ear, on the tip of the right ear, the tip of the right thumb, and the tip of their, of their right toe. You may think, man, that's weird. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? But really, it was to be a symbol to them. Right? Because not only were they to go with their ear dipped in blood, their thumb dipped in blood, and their toe dipped in blood, but notice this is afterwards in verse 21 that, that they were to take some of that blood that's on the altar and some of the anointing. I mean, they were to mix it together, the blood and the oil. He says, after that, you're going to sprinkle that on Aaron and on his sons. And so the whole idea is that as, as the priests were ministering to God on behalf of the people, they were ministering to God. They're right there doing, doing all the, they're sacrificing the animals or they're, 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 they're lighting up the, the incense or they're doing all these things that, that God had, had, uh, had, had required them to do. All the while having uh, blood on the tip of their ear, blood on the tip of their thumb, and blood on their big toe. Meaning everything that they were doing to the Lord, everything that they were to hear, was to be holy. Everything that they were to work with their hands was to be holy. And everywhere they would set their feet was to be holy. Amazing. Amazing because that's God's requirement for His ministers. Right? Is that they would just have a pure heart. Hey, everything you hear, everything you touch, and wherever you go is to be a holy place. Right? It's to be covered by the blood. And I like that. I like that because sometimes we have that mentality of like, all right, well, I'm this person in church, but I'm this person at work, and then I got to be this person at home. And really, the Lord says, no, man. He says, wherever you go, He says, hey, man, you're, that, 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 that blood on the tip of your ear, right? Keep that holy. It's covered by the blood. Whatever you do with your hands, hey, man, keep that holy. It's covered with the blood, right? It's, it's, it's sacrificing to the Lord. It's covered by the blood. Hey, wherever you go, hey, man, keep that holy. It's covered by the blood, right? It's unto the Lord. I used to work, I think I've told you that story, I used to work with a buddy up north, and uh, he was a hardcore Christian down here, but when we were up north, he'd be a crazy guy, and, and he was just a completely different person, right? And I remember ha- having a talk with him, I'm like, dude, you got to be the same person at home, you know, with your wife and your kids and at church, and you are up here, but he kind of just saw it as like, a, as like a license to sin, because, hey, man, we're up north, no one knows us up here in Clovis, right? We can do whatever we want, and I'm like, man, dude, I'm like, you're wrong, man, you're wrong. I don't know if you ever, if you ever got it. Right, but sometimes we have that mentality of like, oh man, as soon as I leave these doors, right now the church thing stays here, right? The Bible, Christ, all that. It's once once I walk through these doors, but really the Lord says, no man, it's wherever you set your feet, right? 
the tip of your the, the, the tip of your big toe, hey man, is covered in the blood wherever you go, your hands and your and and your and your ears. And so it goes on to say there in verse 22, it says, Also you shall take the fat of the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh, for it's a ram of consecration, one loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, and one and one uh, wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and the hands of his sons, and you shall wave the uh, wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. You shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering, as a sweet-smelling aroma before the Lord. And he says, it is an offering made by fire to the Lord. In verse 26, then you shall take the breast of the, of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And from the ram of the consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering, which is waved, and the thigh of the, of the heave offering, which is raised, of that which is for Aaron and that which is for his sons. And it shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever. For it is a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings. That is their heave offering to the Lord. And so the Lord now instructs them to, 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 again, to make these certain cakes, right? Bring these certain things. But he says, these things you're not going to throw in right away. He says, these things you're going to make them and you're going to offer them up to the Lord. You're going to wave them up to God. He says, you're going to give them, you're going to pass them down. And each one of the priests are to, are to bring it up and wave them before the Lord. And once, once they're all done, he says, then you burn it. Right. So they had the one that they, that they brought to the altar. They had the one that they first, that they waited for the Lord. And then they burned it. And notice what it says there in verse 29. It says, And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them. That son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the, the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. And so not only was this, what was the role of the Levitical priesthood to be passed down among Aaron's sons, but actually the garments as well, the clothes that they would wear, the clothes that these priests would wear will be passed down from father to son and from, from, from that son to his son and from that son to his son. So not only were, were, were the priests to be the examples, right, to their children, but, but literally their sons would take over. And so they would leave this uh, to their sons, right, that their sons would, would use their own garments to go minister to the Lord. And, and I love that because it's heavy, right? Because not just the priesthood, but really for all of us as believers, especially if you have kids. This is, if you have kids, this is a, this is a lesson to parents. You know, and really the question is, where, what, what are you passing down to your kids? Right? The priesthood, these priests, they were passing down the garments for ministry before the Lord. This holy thing, something that they were to reverence, something that they were to, 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 to hold as important, right? as, as righteous, as holy. Something that they were going to use in service to the Lord. And then they were to pass it down to their sons. And then, and then them to their sons. And so the question is, what are you passing down to your kids? What legacy are you leaving to your kids? Right, the most important, the most meaningful, the most uh, impactful legacy that you, that you can pass on to your kids is, hey man, my parents served the Lord. Right, my parents taught me in the ways of the Lord. They never wavered. Right, they stood firm. Right, they they were they were uh, men and women of integrity. Right, they served the Lord. I saw that. I saw that with my own eyes. Right, and it's something you can pass on to the kids that no one can take away from them. Right, this, this, these garments that, that 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 Aaron and his sons were to pass down from generation to generation, no one could take it, could take that away from them. If anyone else took it, they knew, hey man, that doesn't belong to you. Right, that's his. They couldn't take that. No one else could wear that. Right, it belonged only to them. And that legacy that they leave behind to your kids, hey man, something that no one could take away from their little hearts. My parents showed the Lord. 
my, my parents taught me in the ways of the Lord. My parents taught me the word. My, my parents taught me how to know God. So it says there in verse 31, it says, And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Then Aaron and his son shall, shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the consecration offerings or the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because... It is holding. So they, and so these things that, that, that they were to bring before the Lord, right, says that they were to eat a portion of it. And if any was left over, it says, hey, man, you can't give it to someone that's leftovers. You can't put it in the fridge for tomorrow. He says, whatever's left over, burn it. He says, no one else can have of it, right? It was specifically just for the priesthood. And it says, verse 35, thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it. And you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And the altar shall be most holy. It says, and whatever touches the altar must be holy. And so notice that these guys had to come in every single day. They were to offer an offering right, in order to come before the Lord. Every single day. Again, it, it, it just, it just brings, brings home you know, the, 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 what, what the writer of Hebrews says about Christ being our high priest. About Christ being that perfect Sacrifice that once he sacrificed himself, he says, Amen. He sacrifices for all of us once and for all, right? Christ doesn't have to go back on the cross every single time we mess up, every time, every single time we sin. Why? Because we're gonna sin, we're gonna mess up. But the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, it was a final thing, right? Once when we believe in the Lord, when we when we come to the Lord by grace through faith, when we believe uh, on the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us. He says, hey man, that's it man, we're righteous, we're washed. The, 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 the work of, of that removing of sin in our lives is done. The Lord sees us as righteous, He sees us as cleansed. It doesn't mean that whenever we mess up, God says, alright man, look, you were cleansed, but now there's a little stain on you. No. When we come to the Lord, He sees us as washed, as cleansed, as white as snow. I love that. There's an old hymn by, by, uh, by the Maranatha singers that, that's all it says. He says, white as snow, white as snow. He says, though my sins are like scarlet, he says, they shall be white as snow. And that's how the Lord sees us. Right? And so we see that, that, that for this priesthood, they were to offer something for themselves every single day. Why? Because the work was not done. This, this, this whole offer, uh, sacrificial system was meant to ingrain in their heads that, look, the, the blood of bulls and goats and rams and all these things only covers sin. It doesn't remove it. It doesn't wash you from it. Right? The only one who could remove sin and wash us of our sins is Jesus Christ by His blood, by His perfect blood, by His perfect sacrifice. And so it says there now in verse 38, Now this is what you shall offer on the, on the altar. It says, Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hind of pressed oil, and one-fourth of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. You shall offer it with grain offering, with drink offering in the morning as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And it says this in verse 42, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Notice, a continual offering. This thing was to go on uh, until the, really the fulfillment of, this, of, these, of these sacrifices were, were done when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, there are seven sayings of Jesus. One of, them, one of the last things that Jesus said, uh, the Bible says before he gave up the spirit, is, is that he cried out, it is done. It is done. What's done? 
Amen. This, this sacrificial system that they were to offer day after day after day, year after year after year, right? For the atonement of sins, for the covering of sins. Jesus on the cross right before he gave up his spirit and died. He says, it is done. Right? This, everything was leading up to that, to that very moment, to that very moment of when, when Christ was to die on the cross and offer his own blood and his own body as a final sacrifice. To wash in the cleanse of our sins. He says, it is done. Amazing. And it says there in verse... 44, I believe. He says, So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. And it says, I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. And verse 46, And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them, for I am the Lord their God. Notice that God's purpose in this, as He's setting it up, God's not doing it for Him, right? But He's doing it for the people. He says, Hey man, so they can know that I'm their God so they can know me so they can have a relationship with me so they can come near me right so that we could reason together and so the, the purpose of all this it wasn't hey man because there was too many animals and they had to start getting rid of animals so let's sacrifice them it wasn't to give them something to do while, while, while they were born in the wilderness no but, it, but God's intent is, is, is so that the people could draw near so they could draw near as they would sacrifice these, these animals so they could draw near notice that the purpose was in verse 46 that they shall know and they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt. It's sad because uh, a few chapters later on, in chapter 32, as Moses is up in the mountain, he's talking with God. God is giving him the commandments and, and, and giving him instruction. We're told that he's gone for 40 days. And, and while he's up there for 40 days, the people, uh, Aaron and the people are down, are, are down at the bottom of the mountain. And after a few days, they're like, hey, man, they start telling Aaron, make us a God, make us a God to worship. Because there's Aaron, I mean, there's Moses, he's gone, dude, he left us. Can't you see what's going on here? He, he's gone, dude, he bailed, he took off, right? He, he deserted us, he abandoned us. And so they begin to cry out against Aaron, and they say, all right, make us, make us a God so we can worship. And, and, and Aaron, he, he makes them, it says that he gets all, maybe we'll get into it tonight. We're told that, that Aaron gathers all the people's golden earrings, and all, and all their nose rings, all, everything that they had of gold. He melts it and he makes a, a, a golden calf out of it, a golden calf. And Aaron says this, he says, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Worship him. And it's so sad because all the while God is, God is setting up these sacrifices. God, God is setting up all this and he says, what's the purpose of it? He says, again, verse 40, 46, that they shall know that I'm the God, I'm, I'm the Lord who brought them up out of the land of Egypt so that I could dwell with them. All the while, God is setting all this up. Why? So you can have fellowship with His people. But at the heart of man, wants nothing to do with God. Right? There's nothing new under the sun. Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes, Hey man, what's happened there, happens today. There's nothing new under the sun. It's going to continue happening tomorrow and for up until the Lord comes back. The heart of man wants nothing to do with God. Right? The heart of man is rebellious. The heart of man is sinful. The heart of man, uh, really, we're prone to, 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 to do things our own. We're prone to, to not want God in our lives. And so just every that as, as, as God is setting up all these things to have fellowship with His people. It's like He's thinking, you know, before you guys came and someone's here setting up all the chairs. I know they're coming, so I got to make it right for them. I got to set up the coffee for them. I got to get the snacks from them. I know they're coming. I know they're coming. Imagine the people that are coming. They're like, man, nah, forget that place, man. They, you know, let's go worship something else. And all the while they know that, hey, man, the place would be prepared for the fellowship. And that's what happened. You know, that, Mo, that, that as Moses was gone, Aaron, and the people, they go crazy downstairs and... They say, hey man, they make this calf, the golden calf, they say, this is the God who brought you up out of Egypt. Let's worship it. And we're told that Moses comes down from the mountain and they're all drunk having orgies around this, around this statue. Heavy. 
chapter 30 says, You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, a cubit its width. It's going to be square. Two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay its top, all the sides of the horns with pure gold. And you shall make it for you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings are you going to make for it under the molding on, on both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders for the poles which uh, which bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. And so as now they're they're, they're making this altar now of incense. Right, and really, this altar of incense was this little platform that they were to carry around. But notice that it was to be made of acacia wood, covered with gold. Again, as we talked, of, as we mentioned a couple of chapters ago, just different metals that, that went in in, in, the, in the in the making of all these utensils and all this, all these things in the, in the in the tabernacle. The metals that were used were bronze, silver, and gold. Right, that bronze being symbolic of, of judgment. And so whenever it's, it's utensils used for, sacri- for, for, for sin offerings, they were, they were to be made of bronze, right? Because it symbolizes judgment, meaning that meaning there's judgment, right? That was, this would be offered. Whenever something was made out of silver, it was always symbolic of redemption. And whenever something was made out of gold, it was always symbolic of the presence of God, the deity of, 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 of God, right? God's presence with them. And so as they're making this little platform, this little altar of incense to offer incense on them, uh, the Lord says, hey, all this is to be of gold, symbolizing hey, God's presence here on these incense. And what does that mean? Going on verse 7, it says, Aaron shall burn on it, on this altar of incense, on the overlaid with gold. It says, Aaron shall burn on it, sweet incense every morning. And when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when, and when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. He says, it's to be a perpetual incense. Remember that word again, perpetual, mean a continual, mean nonstop. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement. Upon it throughout your generations, it is most holy to the Lord. And so, as as, as Moses was instructed to build this this attack, this uh, this altar of incense, right, the little platform that was to be carried around, it was to be overlaid with gold, symbolizing God's presence. And we're told that that Moses and the priests were to offer a specific type of incense to the Lord all the time. I mean, this thing was to be burning with incense at all times, right? And, and notice that the Lord says, hey, "Make sure you offer nothing else except." Incense on the don't offer a grain offering or a drink offering or a meat offering or anything else is only incense on this altar overlaid with gold. You think, man, what's the big deal? You know, <laughs> gold, you know, this whole thing made of gold just for a few incense are gonna burn in a few moments. What's that all about? Interesting that that, that that in the Bible, whenever it speaks about incense, it's always related to or it's always symbolic or it's always a picture of prayer. If you guys remember there in Revelation chapter 5 as we went over it uh, not too long ago. But then in Revelation chapter 5, as, as John is having this, this vision of heaven, we're told that he sees all these things in heaven. And one of the things that, that he sees uh, there in chapter 5, verse 8, as, as he sees the Lamb of God, remember, who's going to take the scroll and open up the scrolls before the judgments come up. It says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a heart, and notice this, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so always in the Bible, when it talks about incense, it's always symbolic of prayer. And the whole picture here, as, as Moses was, was, was building this, this altar of incense made of gold and burning incense on it, 
you might think, man, what a waste. Right? We got, it's like having this table. That, you know what? Let's make that table out of pure gold so we could burn paper on it. You think, man, what a waste. Right? This should be a gold because this is where the word is being taught. Or, hey, man, this should be a gold because this is where the word of God is going out through. You think, man, a table made of gold just to burn incense on it? Really, it's because it was symbolic of prayer. And really, it's a picture of, 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 the, of the preciousness of prayer to God. So precious that, 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 that God's presence right, would, would, would inhabit it. And so amazing that, that, that as, as this incense was, was being offered and really as our prayers are being offered, amen, God hears our prayers, right? God's presence is here with us, right? God inhabits the praises of His people. God inhabits the prayers of His people, right? The Lord loves when we commune with them. The Lord loves when we pray, right? The Lord loves when we, when we talk with them. And really that's all prayer is. In simple terms, prayer is communication with God, fellowship with God. There's no certain words you have to say. There's no certain things you have to repeat. There's no, you know, I got to find the right Really? Prayer is just communication with God. I'm walking up the street and I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, and I'm telling the Lord about my day. I'm telling the Lord about what's on my heart. I'm driving. I'm stuck in traffic. And I'm just talking. I'm talking. I'm talking to the Lord. I know Liz says, hey, you never call me when, you never call me when you're driving home. And, and you know, and, and uh, yeah, a lot of the reasons because I'm listening to music or listening to something. <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, I, I, I am talking, you know, but I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm driving and I'm like, oh, that's my time. I'm stuck in traffic for like two hours every day. I'm like, all right, I'm talking to the Lord, even if it's for like 30 minutes, even if it's 45 minutes. I'm just saying, Lord, this is that and the other, and man, Lord, and this is that, and Lord, you know how I feel about this, and God, this and that. It's something so simple, something so casual. But to God, it's so precious that, 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 that God will take my prayers, and if, and, if, and if I could put this in the picture, God would take my prayers, and He would place them on a golden altar. That's how precious your prayers are to the Lord. Like, I will take your prayers and place them on a golden altar altar. It says there in verse 11, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you, when you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. That is, uh, this is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of sanctuary and half a shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 21 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more than the poor, and the poor shall not give less than a shekel, right? It says, when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourself, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord forever, to make atonement for yourselves. And 17 says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, you shall also make a laver of bronze, when, with its base also of bronze for washing, you shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire for the Lord, it says they shall wash with the water, lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to, to him and to his descendants throughout their generations. And, and so notice that, that, that among all those things that they're to make, they're to make this little bronze ladder, which is really a big bowl. It's a big bowl made out of, made out of bronze. They were to fill water, fill it with water. And the priests, as before they went to minister, they were to wash their hands in this bronze bowl full of water. And they're to wash their feet in this bronze bowl full of water before they walk into the tabernacle to, to minister before the Lord. Right? Again, bronze being symbolic of, of judgment. Meaning, hey, they're washing themselves of all judgment before they go and minister to the Lord. And this was to be every single time. 
interesting that in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, before Jesus was handed over, betrayed, and then crucified, one of the last things that he did with, with the disciples right before uh, he, he had uh, that, that last meal with them, the Last Supper, one of the last things that he did, we're told in John chapter 13, that Jesus says that he took off his, his outer robe, his garment, his sash that he had over him. It says that he sat down, rolled up his sleeves, he got a bowl, and I'm guessing that it was a bronze bowl. Right? He took a bowl, he rolled up his sleeves, and he told the guys, all right guys, one by one, come here, let me wash your feet. And we're told that when he told Peter, hey, Peter, let me wash your feet. Peter's like, no way, Lord, you're not, you're not washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus said to him, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, all right, Lord, then just, just, just give me a bath then. <laughs> just wash me from head to toe. And the Lord says, no, Peter, you don't get it. He says, he who has been washed doesn't need to be washed again. He says, just your feet. Interesting that, that here, you know, the Lord is, is telling him, hey, bring this bowl, right? The, the priests were to wash their hands, wash their feet before they ministered they minister to the Lord, right? And Jesus, he told his, his, his disciples, look, man, let me, uh, he said, let me wash your feet. And then he tells them, you've seen what I did. Me be, me be your Lord and your master. I wash your feet. You're to wash one another's feet, right? And so us as Christians, us as believers, we're washed. The Lord doesn't see us. If you come to the Lord for salvation, He doesn't see you as sinful, right? He sees you as washed. But the idea is, as we're walking through this world, right? Not physically, but you know, as we're just going about our day, just man, our feet get dirty. Just imagine walking through a dirt field, you know, barefoot. Man, your feet even get dirty. And and, it, and it's a picture of sin. As we just go about our days here in this world, we live in a sinful world. We're we're we're, we're caught up in sinful uh, uh, circumstances, right? We're caught up just in the things of this world. And our feet every once in a while get dirty. And so the Lord calls us to come to Him every once in a while and say, Hey man, just come to me and uh, let me wash your feet, right? I don't need to give you a whole bath because you're already washed, you're already cleansed before the Lord. But your feet get dirty every once in a while. And so it's just amazing how, how, how this picture comes all the way from the Old Testament, right? And we're to come to the Lord still daily, confessing our, confessing our sins to the Lord. All right, why? Because our feet get dirty, you know? And, and, and the Lord wants us to wash before Him, blameless, holy, cleansed from head to toe. And so it goes on to say there, verse 22, the holy anointing oil. He says, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half, of, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cashew, um, a hind of olive, and you shall make for these, from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. And it shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its all its utensils and the altar of incense and all the burnt offerings. You shall consecrate them. They shall be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. And it says in verse 31, And you shall then speak to the children of Israel saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me. Throughout your generations, it shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. And whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. Again, notice that, 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 that the Lord now, as, as He gives Moses instructions for anointing the priest, He tells them, right, you're going to anoint them with anointing oil. But it's not just any oil you go and buy, and buy on the street. He says... It's going to be a special oil made out of specific ingredients. Right? He says, and, and you are to anoint all these things with oil. 
Again, that oil being symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Right? The oil being symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Notice what the Lord tells them again there in verse 31, uh, 32. says, It shall not be poured out on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. See, it's holy and it shall be holy to you. And so as they were to, 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 to make this oil, the Lord says, look, man, it has to be a specific oil. It has to be a specific work, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, God will not accept anything less. God will not accept anything more. God will not accept anything different other than, than this, this specific oil, than this specific work of the Holy Spirit. Right? As we minister to the Lord, it must be done in the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, it doesn't mean that you have to get all ritualed up before you do anything for God. All right, I got to... You know, go fast for a little bit, go pray for a little bit. And yeah, those things are good. But, but really what it's talking about is just the intention of the heart. And really, all these things cut down to really the, 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 the bottom of the heart, right? The deepest, most inner parts of the heart. This is to be a holy thing. It's to be a thing of the Holy Spirit, right? Any work of the flesh, God does not accept. Right? Even if it's the smallest thing. Notice it says, it should not be poured out on the flesh. Earlier it told us that the flesh was to be burned outside the camp. God says, hey man, I don't want none of that. Burn the flesh outside the camp. Now when it comes to this work of the Holy Spirit, He says, Hey man, don't mix it with the flesh. Right? The only work that God accepts is the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, not a little bit of both, not a little bit of flesh, a little bit of spirit, not a little bit of, you know, it's like, no. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that. I mean, sometimes when I say that, you know, even I think, of like, Oh man, that means it has to be perfect. No, God didn't say perfect. He said spirit. Spiritual, right? Oh, it has to be extravagant. It has to be huge. It has to be, no. It doesn't have to be those things. It just has to be in the spirit, right? A lot of churches do a lot of things um, that God has never told them to do, right? There's a lot of works of the flesh going on uh, among the church. Hey, man, they think, hey, we just get cool lights and we just get smoke, right? And while the worship is going on, and man, if I just get some awesome lights and set the mood and, you know, and, and dim the lights as soon as worship starts, right? Get, get everything all, you know, we may have, so everyone get the, the warm fuzzies. And nah, man, that's flesh. That's a work of the flesh, Right? God says, no, it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Nothing that we can add to it, you know, and from, from our own, nothing that, that comes from man, nothing that comes from the flesh, no, 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 nothing that, that we could add to it in our carnality. God will accept. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Now the entrance there, verse 34, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, uh, I don't know what that word is, stacti and uh, anisa, and galbanum and pure frankincense with these with these sweet spices, and there shall be equal amounts of each. And you shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the Lord, where I will meet with you, and it shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it, uh, to smell like it, is he shall be cut off from his people. So he says, all right, man, these things that, that you're making here for the tabernacle, I know they smell great, he says, but don't try to make a perfume for yourself out of it. He says, hey, man, just keep it for the Lord, right? Keep it holy. Again, that's selfish ambition. Something that the Lord does not want, right? Whenever someone is doing something in order to, to, to get glory for themselves, I want to do it, right? And, and even there's a little ounce, a little strain of it, I just want to get noticed. Yeah, I'm doing it for God, but I just want my name to be out there. I just want someone to see me. I just want whatever. Right? God says, hey, man, let nothing be done out of selfish motive, out of selfish ambition. He says, don't try to take something for yourself. He says, it's to be consecrated. It's to be a holy thing. It's to be for the Lord. Amen? Amen. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of awesome applications here. We'll, we'll stop right there and we'll pick it up in chapter 31 next week. I think uh, we, we stopped at a good, at a good point.
And so, Father, uh, we just thank you, Lord, for, for, for your word, Lord, that just gives us these awesome instructions, Father.